You're listening to The Bookstack with Annie, Nia, and Sydney. Hi, friends. Welcome to the 28th chapter of The Bookstack. I'm Annie. I'm Sydney. And I'm Nia. Today we are discussing high fantasy, which is a subgenre of fantasy. In high fantasy, the story usually takes place in a world different from ours. A common trope is multiple kingdoms fighting, but there is some sort of magical element. Another common trope is the epic quest, like in Lord of the Rings. There are generally forces that are trying to end the inhabitants' way of life. High fantasy sometimes includes fantastic or mythical creatures and technologies that are unknown to our society. Because the worlds and societies are unlike what we know and live in, the author can take liberties and really show their imagination. It is easy to get immersed in the worlds of high fantasy books, and oftentimes it is hard to come back to reality. But luckily, these books also tend to be series, so there's always a way back in. Sydney, what is in your stack? I intentionally went for some books that I think, hopefully, you haven't heard of. So let's see how I did with my deep cuts and if I make some recommendations that you're like, oh, I've never heard of that. Let's try that. The first book I picked is a trilogy by Jennifer Jenkins. The first book is called Nameless. It came out in 2015. In this world, you have four factions, and they're all warring with one another, and they have been for centuries. You have the Kodiak, the Raven, the Wolf, and the Ram. Because of their rather brutal tactics in war, the Ram have dominated this land and are mutually hated, causing an alliance of the other three clans. Your protagonist is a 17-year-old girl named Zoe, who is part of the Wolf Clan, and she's been trained as a healer. Her parents were killed by Ram soldiers. So she volunteers to infiltrate the Ram and spy for her clan to as like a, a vendetta or a revenge plot. So to do this, she offers herself up as a slave and becomes one of the nameless in a suicidal plot for revenge. But plot twist! Her younger sister follows her into the Ram's gate. Mm. For the love of her sister, she can no longer treat this mission as a suicide. So she has to keep her sister safe. It's always it's, the little one that throws it is. everything for rent. It's always the little one. Yep. Yep, you gotta have you gotta yep. have some kind of little plot twist, right? Yep. She ends up saving the life of a young ram who she befriends. She starts having feelings for a ram soldier, which is dun, very dun, confusing dun. for her. Exactly. And she ends up becoming part of the nameless uprising. I'm not this like despite all of the stuff I've just given out, like I'm not even giving away any of the like big parts of the plot. Like it's it's a fun, you know, intricate book series. Sure. But I have yet to recommend this YA book to someone who hasn't ended up absolutely loving it. It's incredibly well written. And if you love it, you're in luck because it's a trilogy. Mm. So you can enjoy it for three whole books. Three whole books. And all of the books have come out? Yes, yes. Fantastic. They are all out. That is what I like to hear. You do not have to wait. <laughs> all right. The second book is a little bit of a deeper cut. It's Cushiel's Dart by Jacqueline Carey. It came out in 2001. Wow. Okay. Okay. This book has some very overt references to both Christianity and Judaism because the author was initially inspired for the idea of this book by a passage in the Bible that was part of the book of Genesis about the sons of God coming to the daughters of men. So she heard that, she read that, she was thinking about it, mulling it around. And then she found a book on Jewish folklore for a different thing that she was writing. And it paralleled, part of the Jewish folklore paralleled the story in more detail. And it just kind of sparked the cogs and you can absolutely see that influence in the world that she created where it's a the entire world is is high fantasy but if you looked at a map of the world that she's created you're basically looking at a map of europe and it feels okay. like it just every like things take place in france 
Like, oh, okay. It's a good way to did think about it. Did that help you or did you not pay attention to that? Oh, no, it's very overt. Right. Okay. But did it help you with like imagining the space, knowing that it kind of takes place in what we would geographically consider France? Probably. Yeah. The first time I read this, I was in my, I don't know, late teens. Okay. And I reread it last year and was like, oh, Oh, I really romanticized this book because I hadn't reread it in a really long time. <laughs> One of mine is kind of like that. So <laughs> I um, hear you. I hear you. So the the reason that I I had that like, oh, kind of feeling uh, is there there needs to be a warning before you pick up this book. Okay. This book uses sex as a part of its religion. Okay. Interesting. Okay. And it's all different types of sexual behaviors. And what we would consider sometimes deviant behavior, like okay. sadomasochism and stuff like that. Okay. Um, Are there, is there consent issues or? No. So it's all consensual. Yeah. Okay. That's in the, know. in the religion. There's, okay. there's, there's, I mean, there's other things that happen in the book sure. that are not super graphic, Um, but the religion itself bases itself on consent but it's refreshing you have Hmm. you know some instances of sexual encounters that as a society we'd probably frown upon like underage sex and what basically amounts to prostitution but in the world thing is a little awkward but the prostitution part okay yeah no that's but they they basically are adopted as young as children that are orphaned and they're raised by the by these religious groups and to buy their freedom they love as thou wilt which is the tenet of their religion and all of the the money that they make goes to earning their mark which is the tattoo that covers their entire back and when the tattoos finish they're free well that's an interesting system yeah, that's the, yeah. the tattoo thing's oh. fascinating yeah i okay. kind of yeah. like that like it's interesting it's it's a fascinating world i just yeah. wanted to make sure like as there's i start some... to get into this because i really like this book <laughs> there's some but, uncomfortable parts there's some uncomfortable bits and and i i don't want anyone to jump into it and then be like whoa i can't believe you recommended this book i was really offended or upset mm. but the the world that's created the main god is alua who is the book's version of jesus and the mantra that is repeated by everybody throughout the book incessantly is love as thou wilt which is kind of like our version of love thy neighbor okay as a parallel gotcha it basically accepts everyone for who and what they are within the tenets of consent so it doesn't matter if you like people of the opposite gender or the same gender or if you like pain with your pleasure as long as it's consensual so this okay. was my book this was my favorite book near the end of high school and into my foray into college because it has a protagonist that starts off the series believing she is only one thing and that she's only good for one thing. And through these trials that she is thrown into, she learns how strong and fearless and powerful she can be. And it's not like she has any powers. It's she's not, you know, powerful, but she learns that she, through her intelligence, can become more than what she was trained to be. That's so, a very important lesson for someone yeah. to learn in their late teens, early 20s. It, I think time. that's why it stuck with me so hard. Yeah. Yeah. But, Especially so, without having superpowers or magical powers or anything as part of that power. Yeah. It's you have power and it's you. you yeah. Know? That that's what's true. That's, yeah she has something that sets her apart because every protagonist has something that sets them apart or else there wouldn't be a book about them exactly but so the main the protagonist is a girl named phaedra and she is bought as a child by a nobleman who sees the moat in her eye not as a flaw which was like causing her to be cast out by every other group but as a symbol for a really rare person that has been touched by the gods 
Um, Does it explain it. what the moat is? It's just a dark spot in her just eye. Just a dark spot. Yeah, that's uh-huh. what I figured. I just thought I'd ask. It's a it's dark red, and it's the the mark mm-hmm. of Cushiel, um, which is where the book's name comes from. Cushiel's dart. It's the dart in her eye. It's the little red mm. dot in her eye. Um, she's referred to as an anguissette, which is someone who is a sadomasochist. Um, she derives pleasure from pain. So she's raised to be a courtesan and trained in a number of skills that also make her a linguist and a rather good spy for her owner's ulterior motives. But right after she comes out and is starting her foray into the life that she has been purchased into her owner is murdered and she and her assigned protector jocelyn are abducted and sold into slavery dun, dun, dun. Where, where she is then given away as a gift to another raiding warrior clan she learns of a plot of that threatens her home so phaedra and jocelyn journey hundreds of miles through various terrains to get back and warn the monarchy that someone close to the crown is plotting their demise so it's a really fun adventure with political intrigue and you have a strong protagonist and there's a lot of fun female like strong characters that that you can latch on to mm-hmm. there's three books in the main series that are told from that follow phaedra as a, as the main character and then there's a minor character in the books that ends up being the main character of the next three books and so he has his own trilogy there's a third trilogy based Found on a lot of book, mileage out of this idea hundreds of years apart okay um and it reading it as an adult it didn't age as well as i remembered or hoped because of the sex exploits that are so integral to the world <laughs> but if you can get past it there's still some really fun adventures to be had so <laughs> i could see how that wouldn't age well yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, still it fun depends. but didn't yeah. age well it's, that's okay it's, some literature does some doesn't yeah like it's still a fun world and it's still interesting and you still get sucked in because of the writing that you want to know what happens you just have to be okay with a little bit of i mean it's a different world so of course there's different rules you know sure yeah but anyway those are my two books nice. Andy, thank what you about for you? sharing <laughs> <laughs> we all read different things it's that's why there are three of us mm-hmm. so there's lots of different options for people makes to it choose more from. fun makes it more fun Makes life interesting. The first book that I chose, and I I don't read a lot of high fantasy, so I just went on Google and searched up popular high fantasy books. And if it kept my attention for more than a chapter, I kept going. If it didn't, I got rid of it. Good rule to follow. And also, I only read if it was available in audiobook because that's where I am in my life. So it really limited my, my scope there. True, but then you don't have option paralysis. That's so. true. That's true. And I tried to find a cover that was a little bit different than the other ones. It's kind of hard. It was know, kind of hard, you know. but I, I worked it out. I worked it out. So the first one that I chose is Graceling by Kristen Kishore. Yes. Yes, you loved I love this book. Yeah. Okay. I, I liked Fire one. better. Is that the second one? No. It's in is the same world though. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because this but. book has... This book has five books in the series. Let me look it up. Yeah. And they the first one, Graceling, came out in 2008. And then the last one was published in 2022. So they've been spread out quite a bit. Oh, for sure. Okay. It almost feels like the first book took a minute to take off. Oh, because actually, the Fire last is one's... the second book in the series. Oh, is it? Yeah. When was that one published? Um, I don't know. I'm just looking at covers. It's okay. Graceling, Fire, Bitter Blue, Winter Keep, Sea Sparrow. Because I know the last couple of books seem like they came out really quickly in succession. And the mm. first 
few didn't. So I wonder if it just took some time to gain traction. I don't know. It might have. Yeah. My copies are all paperback. So I mm. didn't I didn't get it right as they came out. Yeah. So I am not super far into the book and I don't want to accidentally give anything away because one of the one of the things with high fantasy is that there's a lot of plot twists and some of them come back in the end and you didn't know that they were going to be important. So I'm reading the Goodreads synopsis with some of my own stuff as I've read it. Okay. So the main character is Katza. And she has been able to kill a man with her bare hands since she was eight. The first time she killed someone, she killed them. It was her uncle or cousin or something. And she punched him in the face and his nose went back into his face. And that is what he died from. And she was eight. And I thought, that's traumatic. Was that intentional or accidental? Kind of. He was touching her in a way that she did not want to be touched. And so she was angry and she punched him, but that punch killed him. I want to... I feel bad an eight-year-old did that, but I kind of don't feel bad it happened. I know. I felt the same way. If you're going to touch someone inappropriately, you kind of deserve it. You get punched Uh in the face. So she becomes niece of the king. Well, she's always niece of the king, but her parents pass away. So she ends up living with the king. And while she should live a life of privilege because she is graced as a killer, she ends up being his personal thug assassin. Go deal with the people that are making me angry. And then someone shows up. Yeah. Well, she kind of starts to buck the system a little bit. So girl power. Right. And then a boy shows up who's also graced and he is graced with fighting. And so they find she can finally fight someone who can fight her back. And then she falls in love with him. Because of course she does. It's YA. Yeah. Because it's except she. Yes. (laughs) And then she starts to learn the truth behind her grace. And in this world. People have different graces. So you can be a really good swimmer, which isn't super useful. You can be graced as a really good tree climber, which again, not super useful. Some of them are useful. Some of them are not. In the king's court, he has a chef who is graced with cooking. And so he cooks really good food. She is graced with killing. There are graced swordsmen. Again, some are useful, some are not. So she is not an anomaly in her community. There are lots of gracelings. But she just happens to be able to kill people very quickly and in scary ways. Okay. I liked it. It sounds interesting. I liked it. I read Graceling Fire and Bitter Blue. I didn't love Bitter Blue. I loved Fire. I thought Fire was better. Fire is told from the perspective of the girl who is considered a monster because mm. she's not fully oh, human. Oh, wait. Have I met this girl? You might have. What can she do? I'm not giving anything away. <sighs> okay. Gotta read it. So I'm listening to full I, cast I'm just saying. Audiobook. I'm just saying I liked it better. Mm. I only met her for a second. She was just yep. there for a minute. Okay. Yep. So full cast audiobook. Which is fun because there are female characters, there are male characters. And when I'm listening, it's really helpful to have a difference in voices. And between chapters, there's sometimes some epic music, which is great. Like when they go traveling, it goes, no, 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 because they're traveling, you know, that's that's (laughs) special. You have interlude music. I love it. (laughs) I do. That's a better word. I have interlude music. It's kind of kind of thrown me for a loop, but I like it. What I'm enjoying right now is hearing how Katza, the main character, is wrestling between her life as an assassin for the king and her life as a woman. You could see that. I think it makes her it makes her a very dynamic character. The example I can think of right now is that she didn't realize that a major character loves her and everyone else in the court knows and she gets mad at them. I was like, why didn't you tell me that he loves me? And they said, We thought you knew. How did you not know? 
some of us don't pick up on social cues. Okay. Right. And she said, I'm busy <laughs> finding, I don't know. I, why did no one tell me this? And then it gets really awkward when they're in rooms together. Cause she knows that he loves her. And yeah. And then mm. there was this whole thing with a lady nurse or lady, um, not a nurse, a, a servant who said, have you ever had a woman to hang out with? And she said, no. I said, have you ever had a mother? No. Has anyone talked to you about what's going to happen to you when you reach a certain age? No. I feel like there's some parallels here with uh, yep. the Linus Rampant series, just a little bit. It seems like there was it. a lot there. Yeah, But it's yeah. been fun to read about her going through that because it's so human. Yeah. You know, she has this side that's fighting and killing. And then she has this side that doesn't realize that someone's in love with her. And she has to wear pretty dresses sometimes. I love it. So I'm going to hopefully finish it next week. I don't know. It's been a weird reading time for me. And then you'll pick up fire because you want to figure out a human yes. monster that I has the ability to, to control minds. I and do you're going to be like, it. It, I have to know what happens and how she controls minds and what she does if everyone thinks of her as a monster. It is the one I was thinking of. Yeah, it is. It is. Oh, yes. I felt really bad for her. Yeah. You're going to love her in this in really, the second book. I know. I want, I already did like her even. For yeah. The, like, You're going to like her even more. 30 second seconds book is amazing. in there. Oh man. Okay. I might have yeah. to get it in print though, because the interlude music is kind of a little bit much. Throwing you off. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing me off. <laughs> oh, that's a bummer. I, especially yeah. when they do a full cast. Yeah. I just don't expect it. And then I have to get back into the mode of reading. Oh yeah. And then I get a little that. bit of. Monty Python vibes and I'm thinking how they made that sound and I get distracted anyway and now for something completely different yes yes the second book that I chose is House of Salt and Sorrows by Aaron A. Craig I have decided that this counts as high fantasy because there's a magical door okay so I'm putting it with Narnia if you think Narnia is high fantasy then this is gonna count as high fantasy also okay it was published in 2019 book two is coming out later this year Uh, it's about a family of a lot of girls. I think it's loosely based on the 12 dancing princesses, if you know that oh, yeah, yeah, fairy yeah. tale. Yeah. Okay. So I, that I mean, fairy tale. I do. You might I want don't. to explain it for readers. Yeah. yeah. So it's essentially uh-uh. these 12 princesses get magic dancing shoes and they go off in the middle of the night to go dancing. And I feel like there's something about their shoes that makes it so they can't da- stop dancing or something like they that. They can't take, I don't think they can take them off either. They, can they? can't take them off. Yeah. So, they, so they, they sleep all day because they're exhausted, but they wake up right. not knowing why they're exhausted. Yep. 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 So it's loosely based on that. Okay. So family of a bunch of girls and the book opens with one of them dying. And then we find out that three of them have died in weird ways that are very tragic. And so there are whispers throughout the village that this family is cursed. Their mother has died. Four of the sisters have died. And then other people start dying that are connected to them. And one of them starts seeing ghosts, even though she wasn't old enough to see her sisters die. She sees them as these grotesque ghosts and they come and visit her and things. And then they get fancy shoes. What? All right. Sounds light and fluffy. Oh, it is. I was not expecting that. That came out of nowhere. I thought this was going to be these girls are going to go dancing and their shoes aren't going to be able to come off or they're going to die because they dance too much. I did not see ghosts coming. Okay. I don't know why I didn't, but I didn't. So they hear rumors that there's a door that is used by the gods because in this world, the gods are very present in the villagers' lives. They are people as well as gods, they shop in the shops, they go to the parties. And so they find a door 
that can take them to anywhere in the kingdom that they would like to go. And so they go through that door hoping to get away from the whispers and find husbands. Because if everyone is whispering about them where they live, no one will marry them. Yeah, okay. I know, it's a, it's a real problem. So they go through the door <laughs> Struggle is to, real. Find, to find people to marry, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> but then okay. another guy shows up and... The main character, Annalie, starts to fall for him and they have to buy a bunch of new shoes and their dad is not happy about having to buy them shoes. But now I've got the mysterious dancing going on and I've got someone just fell off of another tower and how are the gods going to be involved? And there's just a lot of twists and turns and I like it. Awesome. Nice. I'm excited right. for book two to come out. I think it'll be very interesting to see how this goes and what spin it takes even more from the original fairy tale. Okay. Yeah. Next. Okay, Neil, what books do you have? So my first one is An Exchange of Gifts by Anne McCaffrey. And if you have read any fantasy or familiar with fantasy at all, you know Anne McCaffrey. She's probably one of the most prolific fantasy authors you're going to find. This particular one of hers was published in 1995. It is a YA and it's a short story. It's only about 96 pages. Wow. Oh, so wow. that is short. Yeah. If you're looking for a snack sized itty bitty little piece of fantasy, you don't want to really get into like a full epic. This is a short story. It stands alone. It is not part of a series. I have fond memories of it because I read it a long time ago, which is why I actually still have the print copy. So it's it's a very classic high fantasy. You have the main character, Mian, who's run away from her home. Uh, she was from a place in the nobility. She was getting, had an arranged marriage. She wanted nothing to do with it, so she she booked it. This world is really similar to the Graceling book in that everyone had, a lot of people have what they call gifts and they vary from person to person. And you have some that would be, more befitting nobility and you have some that are very common and so she has a gift that was bestowed to her that is actually considered common but she loves it and it has to do with growing plants it's basically a green thumb oh how fun and yeah so she decides she's tired of hiding her gift she does not want to get married so she goes and hides at a hunting lodge that she visited as a child hoping that that no one will come find her she faked her death so oh. she rubbed blood all over her horse and oh, wow. left like a torn part of her dress and was just hopefully that will be good enough to be like yep oh no wild animals got her Darn. Ah, uh, so hopefully no one will look for her. Uh, unfortunately, her she's great with plants, but she's really terrible at any other kind of survival skills. Like oh no! Unstopping, <laughs> unstopping the the chimney. So she tries to light a fire and ends up filling the the whole oh. you know lodge full of smoke, and it it's a rough little bit there for the first night. But lucky for her, a young boy named Wisp appears at her doorstep, and he's very small and unassuming, and way better at the basics. Like how to clear the chimney, how to light a fire, how to do those basic survival things so you don't die. And they end up with a pretty like easy partnership. So it emphasizes a lot just how unassuming he is. But you can, and he has a gift. And she keeps trying to guess what it is, but he keeps it really close to his chest. And you start getting hints in there. But until you get to the very end, you're just like, oh, oh, that that's what it was. That's And cool. all all of those pieces start to fall together. So they're very vague about who they are and where they came from. He fled a noble house. He comes and he's got big welts all over his back 
from, and that's why he fled where he was. So you get towards the end and a very public display of Mian's past throws their easy companionship completely into jeopardy. And I'm not going to say anything else because I don't want to give away anything. <laughs> it is a super quick read. I reread it in an evening. So I mean, it's less than hundred pages for high fantasy. It's really impressive to have such a short plot while still having yeah. enough to world build. Yeah. I mean, you've got the tropes in the genre that kind of help buffer it a little bit in there. And my first time reading it, I was in the target audience. I was a YA and I really liked it and I kept thinking about it. And then as an adult, you know, I really feel like it's a rush classic YA and the ending feels, it's a YA. It's, it ends how you think it's going to end. And it felt very awkward to me as an adult hitting that Aww. point where you're like, oh, okay, if this had been a full-length novel, maybe it wouldn't have felt as abrupt, but mm. it is still good. I mean, clearly, if I still have the book after, you know, 20-something years, it, it's still good, but just you know. You must have liked it. Yeah, yeah. As, as an adult, just know when you read it and you get to the end, you're like, oh, I have to remind myself, this is a YA. Okay, we're good. We fixed it. So, okay. but that's my first one, especially if you're looking for something short. My second one is actually really new. It came out February 2022. That it's is called really Legend. new. Yeah, it's called Legends and Lattes by Travis Baldry. According to Amazon, it is a fantasy romance, I guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> From your tone, it sounds, it sounds like, like, a like cozy it's not. Mystery <laughs> I mean, fantasy. A, yeah, is it a cozy it's, fantasy? It's a cozy like fantasy. It's a cozy fantasy. <laughs> it is absolutely a cozy fantasy. <laughs> it, its tagline is beautiful and most of all kind. That one? It is, no, it's a novel of high fantasy and low stakes. Oh. So um, okay. this one is, is going to be part of a series. The second book is coming out in November of this year, but it looks like it's a prequel. Oh. So just keep that in All mind. Right. But yeah, so I was looking for something that was relatively light to read or listen to. And this was absolutely it. The author reads the audio. The audio is done very well. I enjoyed listening. You just kind of you sink into it and you're like, oh, okay right on. My copy actually has a recommendation from Shannon McGuire, who's an author I've talked about in previous chapters. And that's actually what Sydney was saying there. It's a sweet, beautiful, and most of all kind. Uh, she, you know, I highly recommend this book. And I agree. I highly recommend it. You definitely feel a kinship with Viv. Viv is the main character. She is an orc. She's been a barbarian. She's done all of that, you know, traditional barbarian stuff. And in the first couple paragraphs, she's vanquished a monster queen and had to massage a persistent ache in her lower back. And... <laughs> <laughs> Right. I read that and went, I'm going to like this book because I feel her pain literally, literally in my back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so and, the, you know, she's trying. So basically what she does is she gets her her payoff from this last big gig and she's retiring. She's going to hang up her sword and she's going to open up a coffee shop. She like tried, you, you know, she tried coffee in a gnomish city where she is opening up a coffee shop. Nobody knows what it is. They have never heard of it. They have never seen it. They have never smelled it. And oh, she's cool with well. that. So, but that's, so she's trying to explain the, what coffee is to the person who is helping her rebuild this building that she's bought. And she said it was like drinking the feeling of being peaceful. And that is what coffee is. Okay. And that's I mean, how I feel about it. That's a pretty accurate statement. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, okay. This is, I, it's perfect. Like yeah. I have it highlighted. I have it marked because it was, it was just like, yes, that is what it is. That's what it is for me anyway. 
Yeah, so, I agree. you know, but she, she's going to do this. She ends up with a partner who's going to come in and help her work with stuff. It starts out as a, an employee, but the way that they, their dynamic is, it works out really well, but you'd think that, you know, going to open up a business. The worst part, the hardest part is going to be getting the business going, especially something so unique and different. But of course there's a, an organization that demands protection money like you do in most cities, right? So there's that going on. And then, of course, you have other intrigue happening and people who are trying to sabotage for whatever treasure she might have. So who knew coffee could be so complicated? But I really like how Travis Baldry worked in gnomish engineering for the coffee machines. I mean, you read how he describes them and I'm like, it sounds like an espresso machine, but it works in the world. And, you know, you have a baker who comes up with something called a cinnamon roll but it works like it's very like it's very organic with how it's created but you sit there and go okay i i know what that is i can work with this you have a bard that randomly shows up and starts playing and he's basically got the magical equivalent of an amplifier and something like a theremin which works (laughs) okay right it's very an electric theremin yeah it's it's very whimsical and very light so it's definitely a very, co- it's a cozy high fantasy and it's just, it, it's a, it's wonderful. So if you're looking for, you, again, you want to dabble in high fantasy, but you're not into, I'm going to be fully involved. Like, you know, you have Lord of the Rings where you're completely sucked in and it's very, you know, you're going to be really into it. This one's like, is her, is her coffee shop going to work? Is she going to lose her friends? Like it has a random wear cat that shows up. Okay. There's a, the, co- the coffee shop gets a wear cat. It's it just it's delightful. So I can see why this was so popular. I can see why it won some awards. And again, the second book is coming out in November. It's available for pre-order, but it looks like it's a, a prequel. So not all of the same characters will be there, but Viv is there. So that's that's my second book. It was uh I just think about it. I'm like, oh yep, it's a cozy cup of coffee just thinking about it. So yeah. That, that sounds like a book one. I should read. Thank you. I, I think you'd like it. Probably. That's Annie's level of fantasy. Yes. That is my, I really love like urban fantasy. Oh, urban fantasy. Urban fantasy is good. I'm a big fan of urban fantasy. Now it's time for our triviality segment. We are each going to share one unique bit of trivia from our research about our topic today. Hopefully you can learn something new to use at trivia night. Sydney, what's your trivia? So I was thinking about the term high fantasy itself and as how it came to be as a genre so i was researching into that and did you know that high fantasy has the opposite uh, which is low fantasy so high fantasy refers to epic fantasy which is set in an alternative world it typically includes lots of magical elements fantastical creatures and unusual technology but low fantasy is when you have magical creatures and elements intruding on the regular world so a lot of what we so consider like, as urban fantasy is low fantasy. Okay. See, that's my jam. I love urban fantasy. I like low fantasy. I like thinking of how these things could happen in our world and yeah. going behind the magical pillar. Yeah. Now I I want a I want a genre to evolve that's medium fantasy. What where it goes where into it, both worlds? Where like there's like a dabbling into both worlds so that you have high and low where it kind of blends. Mm-hmm. I have a series for you. I actually have read one like that. <laughs> Of course you have. I think I, I think I've actually <laughs> talked about it too. So. I think you have. Yeah, the Changeling Wars. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. It's yeah. fun. That one's fun. It's not the only one that does that. There's I think there's a few. Nice. Yeah. 
Awesome. So there you well, go. Annie, what there about was... you? So as I was thinking about high fantasy, all I could think about was movies. Okay. Disney movies specifically. So would Onward? Yes. Yeah. Would that be middle fantasy, like medium, not high or low, just kind of there? No, it's it's high fantasy. It's its own yeah. world. Mm-hmm. You have unicorns I mean, not... eating the trash as if it were like a raccoon. Yeah. Well, and it starts but out as this is what the world so... used to be. It became so urbanized. So... It's, yeah. a, it's an urbanized true, right? high fantasy. It's an urbanized high fantasy. Okay. Yeah. That's a genre. Urbanized high fantasy. High fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> Look at us creating genres. Someone has People to. Should... People should pay us for this stuff. Oh, they should. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem with book people. We don't get paid for anything, but we talk about it. Yeah, it's, it's all right. It brings us joy. It does. So my trivia, I had to really search for this, but I found one mostly because it's not my thing. So it was hard for me to find something. That's fair. But I found something about Tolkien. Apparently, he didn't choose the title for the final book in his trilogy. Oh, really? He felt like Return of the King revealed too much about the plot of the final book because, you know, that's what happens. Because it does. Mm -hmm. Yep. He wanted to call it The War of the Ring, but his publisher said no. Rude. Because publishers do that. And publishers have final say over titles over cover art, over title, over a lot of things. Now, things have changed in the past what 70 years 50 years yeah but and i, I doubt think authors get quite that much oh no bit more say but from what they, i understand they the can make a recommendation still... or a suggestion yeah and then the publisher can choose whether or not to keep it yes so we have the return of the king in which you know hey the king is going to return yes and that is my trivia yeah <laughs> i went with trivia about one of the authors i talked about um and mccaffrey like i said is probably i think she has 10 or 12 at least different series that she has but the most well-known one is the dragon riders of pern it's got 24 novels there's two collections of shorts and a few other bits and bobs out there first it's a huge series it is yeah and it spans dare i say 50 years there you go (laughs) the first book for that series was a hugo award-winning book called where search and it came out in 1967 wow uh the last two time ago Oh, yeah. The last two books actually came out after her death. The first one was July in 2012. And that was when she co-wrote with her son, Todd. And the last one came out and it was written by her daughter in 2018. Okay, so 24 novels. How many novels is that that she published per year? Uh, uh, That's what, 50 years between them? So one every other year for just this series? Not to mention that's, all of her other books. Yeah, that is quite the lot. production line that she had going on. Yep. It, yeah. And wow. a cool thing about this one is you have the Dragon Riders of Pern is technically a fantasy series, but the origins of how they got there is sci-fi. It's a sci-fi book. Oh, interesting. Wow. Because they were traveling around trying to find a you know a planet that would work and I can't remember what Pern stands for. Let me look it up. Possible entrance mm-hmm. reverse now. No. <laughs> you can delete that. It's fine. <laughs> or I can keep going. <laughs> People eat rodents now. <laughs> uh no parallel Perhaps. earth resources negligible. Parallel earth research negligible? resources negligible so it's kind of like earth the huh. resources are meh so let's colonize it we'll okay. put people there because we can't exploit it basically so Aww. except they end up 
having to work with, they ended up developing these dragons because, yeah, there's a reason nothing else is really living there. And biological things are going to try and kill everybody. So mm, it's one of those planets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a little bit uh, like, oh, cool. This looks great. Oh, oh, maybe it's not so great. So I think it's kind of interesting, too, that a high fantasy series started out sci-fi. And did yeah, she is- write the first book, the sci-fi one? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, but that one came out in 93. So you have this whole epic wow. series, but like that's the the origins of how it got there was a sci-fi book. So that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So that's my trivia. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. All right, Sydney, what are you reading or picking up next? I have fallen back into my nonfiction ways to the shock cycles. of no one. We read in cycles. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm reading a book called Writing of the Gods, which is about the race to decode the Rosetta Stone. It's oh, really well written. I'm enjoying it very much. And I'm also jumping back and forth between that and Papyrus, which is how paper changed the ancient world. It was originally written in Portuguese, and this is the translation, and it is very beautifully written. So, so not only taking... are you on a nonfiction kick, you are on a... I'm on a writing language. kick. Yeah, writing yeah. language kick. Yeah. That's neat. I'm in a subgenre of nonfiction kick. <laughs> <laughs> That's fabulous. While we're making up genres, here's another Yeah, one. <laughs> while I'm, you know, signifying everything. <laughs> Annie, what about you? What are you reading right now? Well, I'm going to finish my two high fantasy books cool. soon. They're each 14 <laughs> hours, so soon. It's been a weird been a weird week and then after i finish those i'm going to come back to babel by rf kuang remember the one that i was supposed to read for my book club but didn't get done on time yeah i ended up buying it because it looked incredible it does yeah it does but you really really have to love language like the mechanics and the construction of language you really really have to love I don't know. Based on Sydney's current ones, I don't know, I know. if that's her jam right now. So <laughs> it really I just think is not alley. <laughs> the way my sister-in-law said it is that she would get really, really sucked into the plot, and then every once in a while, she felt like she was in a linguistics class and totally taken out of the plot. And then the plot would come back, and then she'd be back in the classroom a couple of chapters later. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, yeah. But I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying it because I thoroughly enjoy how language is connected and how language is built. Yeah, look at this. I cover, know the though. cover's so pretty. It's, it's it the Tower of Babel like, oh. as the cover. Oh wow! Right. And it takes place in London in eighteen. Okay. That's beautiful. Something. It's gorgeous. It's an incredible cover. It really. It, it's like a but, pen and, for for listeners. It's like a pen and ink black and white cover with gold lettering. You really have to. It's care just gorgeous. About linguistics to enjoy it not even to read it to enjoy it okay cool just know that it's also a 21 hour audiobook (laughs) that's a saga okay so i'll get there this book is is a little thick with like three c's i'm gonna have to keep (laughs) checking it out every every month i'm gonna have to put it back on hold because it takes a minute and then i'll get another chapter in or two it'll be a while yeah Nia, what are you reading now or picking up next? I am dabbling in a book called Reading the Leaves, and it is a basic how-to on how to read tea leaves, because that sounded super interesting to me. So, Are you going to become the next Professor Trelawney? Uh, I don't know. I would just be happy if I could master it, let alone be able to teach it. <laughs> all right, all right. You got to understand, I'm not a I'll big Potter you- reader, so I can't give you a correct answer on that. <laughs> When that's you said okay. that, all I thought of was when she got kicked out of the out of Hogwarts, and I thought, "Oh, that's so sad. Please don't do that." 
Well, no, I didn't want to know. That was the scene the... that came up immediately. Oh, that's I, not, okay. that's not where I, I went. I do remember the part in the movie where she's looking it at the tea be. leaves and is like, yeah. My mind goes to the two sisters who are in the basement of the apartment where Coraline lives. And oh, yeah. Like, oh, look, it's a giraffe. No, it's a hand. No, it's giraffe. So that's way more <laughs> tongue in cheek, I think. Yeah, um that's, fun, that's something i'm interested in learning so that's that's kind of what i'm working on right now love it yeah all right friends thanks for listening to this chapter of the book stack as we sign off we'd like to leave you with some food for thought and we'll see you next time when we take a look at our favorite books that got us reading remember you can connect with us on twitter at bookstack trio and follow us at bookstack trio on instagram and facebook to see a full listing of the books mentioned in our stack if you read a book from the stack, let us know what you thought on social media. You can also find us on our website at bookstacktrio.com. Fantasy is hardly an escape from reality. It's a way of understanding it. Lloyd Alexander.